Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Welcome to Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're trying to fill gaps in our viewing history by going through 100 years of cinema history, decade by decade, and then year by year. I'm Liam. I'm Ollie. And that was very professional, Liam. Thank you. I, I, I tried. It sounds rehearsed and not just made up 10 seconds ago. So how you been anyway? You've been all right? I've been all right, yeah. Um, uh, it's it's We're in the middle of Storm Dennis here, which is not fun at all. It's fucking windy outside. Are we swearing on this show? I guess we are. Yeah, we're adults. We're 30-something. Do you know, I was in the shower the other day, and I couldn't remember if I was 36 or 37. It took me a little while to actually realise I'm actually 36. I did spend, like, two years at the same age, because I <laughs> forgot how old I was, and then realised I'd given myself a year ahead. So, <laughs> Well, that's good, though, because then you've got a year back then when you realise. Yeah, I did. I felt younger, more, more infused. So, yeah, we'll say that we were building up an... Uh, we're going to try and do 100 years of cinema history, right? And we're going to try and watch 100 films that we have never seen before. Or at least maybe one of us hasn't seen before or whatever. I mean, it's quite embarrassing the amount of films that I should have seen. I think a lot of this podcast is about honesty as well. I think it is. It's a safe zone. I've probably talked to a lot of people and lied about films that I have seen, which I should have seen. Oh, who hasn't? And like, so it's it's my way of being able to tick off like films that I should have seen that haven't. Like, for example, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I haven't seen Casablanca. That's one for me. No, I've not seen Casablanca. I've not seen Wizard of Oz. So do you know what I mean? There's there's some classics that I should have seen that I haven't. I almost did the thing then when you said you haven't seen Wizard of Oz. I was almost doing that. You haven't seen Wizard of Oz? <laughs> that kind of reaction. That... We got in trouble once. Do you remember at a wedding and a young 15-year-old boy told us he'd never seen Terminator? <laughs> Terminator 2, wasn't it? <laughs> and it got us in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it did get us in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it kind of escalated quite quickly. We weren't, we weren't the aggressors. That's a story for another time. <laughs> um, oh, I have an incident. I was, um, so this morning, I was I realising we we're going to record this, so I, I trying to start cramming in stuff I was watching, and then I realised it got to about, I don't know, midday or something like that, and I hadn't done anything apart from sit here and watch a ton of bullshit. <laughs> so um, I thought, right, I'll do something to energise myself, and I go, I get some to eat, and I have a cup of tea, and then I'll be kind of ready when we do stuff. So I thought I'd do like my a ten minutes of yoga I've been trying to do. You've been doing yoga? Yeah, yeah. I, I, if, not every day. That'd be a complete lie if I said every day. But I, only like between five and ten minutes I do of like this. I've got like a little a lady on my phone that's very good at yoga. And you can copy her. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay. So I was doing this fucking yoga. And was doing some like pose where it involved kind of sitting on my leg, I guess. Probably doesn't. Okay. I, like not, what I do with yoga doesn't represent what the lady does on the screen at all. Okay. <laughs> but and then I kind of went to sit up to go into like downwards dog or something, something really normal, and my knee just buckled about fifty-seven times. <laughs> like it was like um, though you remember those old things used to bend and crack when you bend them. Like <laughs> my knee just did that. Like like it just went. <laughs> what like a straw kind of thing? Yeah, like a straw. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I just, my knee just collapsed under me <laughs> and I just ended up as on, on the floor as a ball. <laughs> like, it's a bit, like quite a lot of pain. And then I tried to kind of get up again. I was like, like 
this has never happened before. So I tried to get up again and, and sit on my bed, and I just I stood, and my knee just collapsed, and I just hit the floor. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Like, I'm so out of fit that I can't even exercise now. <laughs> like, out of fit. Out of out fit. Of um, yeah, I keep getting cramp all the time now. My foot just keeps going... Oh, God. Welcome to the Old Man Podcast. <laughs> Age. 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 So has anything in the uh, the movie world kind of caught your eye this week? Uh, I guess the big news this week is Birds of Prey is the biggest film to come out. Is it the biggest film? Uh, I mean, technically it's kind of flopped, hasn't it, I think? It hasn't really flopped, though. They've had to change their name, haven't they? Well, they, re- they tried to release it under Harley Quinn. Is that what they've chosen? Yeah, I think they've called it Harley Quinn Birds of Prey now because apparently people couldn't search for it on like ticket websites or something like that. So they've made it so it's a lot more easier to uh, to search and buy tickets for. But I think they've they missed a trick with that film. Though. I haven't seen it, so I can't really say anything. But... No, I was going to go see it. I haven't managed to actually. The amount of young girls and kids that love Harley Quinn and those characters, and they've totally like made it unavailable for those kids to see it because they've made it like a 15 here and a R in America. Oh, is it? Seems a bit of a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, I would agree, to be honest. I think it looks really good, though. I'm actually looking forward to seeing it. I, th- I saw something today which I won't be able to find now. It was like a, a meme or whatever about the fact that it's made the same amount of money as another film that got said it was like a, an outstanding success and this is getting touted as like a flop. What was it? Oh, is it Ford versus Ferrari? But I think it's just it, it feeds into that problem that the fact that it's like optics of how you see its success or not. This it I don't think Harley Quinn's made a poor amount of money at all. It's just not made nine was it ninety million that it needs to make to be, look as a success. So I think it's But a- the difference with that is though that a franchise film is is seen differently to like a one off film because it doesn't have to have you're not gonna have a sequel to Ford versus Ferrari, are you? The way that films work now is so. Say if the budget of a film is ninety million, it doesn't need to. It needs to make at least double that to be profitable. Because, but I think it has abroad, hasn't it? Though, isn't it just America? It's not made a lot of money. I think it's made about ninety million worldwide, but then you've got to remember that cinemas take like fifty to sixty percent of that. Then, not to mention the marketing that was involved. So that's probably another fifty million. However, so. Film like you know, for example, like the Avengers, it probably cost three hundred and fifty to make Endgame, plus another one hundred and fifty to market it. So at that point, it's already a five hundred million dollar movie. So it needs to make a billion to at least make a profit, which is nuts. This is nuts, absolutely nuts. And and that's why films like The Joker are a massive success because they it costs like forty fifty million to make, but it reaped in so much money, and I don't think it cost that much to. Pr- to promote and it just made like what over a billion dollars i think it may have made more than the dark knight at this point now which is insane <laughs> i still haven't seen that yet i need to watch it what ford versus ferrari <laughs> yeah, yeah it's okay or le mans 66, le mans 66 is it six? which yeah. is it called in the uk because you know why it's something to do with the fact that you're not allowed to have like um advertising or, or trademark names in the titles of stuff here because I was having a conversation with someone about that because you told me that fact last week. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then someone said, oh, why is it called Le Mans? So I was like, well, did you know? <laughs> it's because you can't have it. And then they were like, oh, any other examples of that? And I was like, uh, and I had a look and I couldn't find any other example. I mean, there's loads of films that have been renamed over here. Like there's a rock film called Welcome to the Jungle. 
or in America it's called The Rundown, but over here it's called Welcome to the Jungle. Is it called The Rundown in America? <laughs> yeah, and then the Jumanji sequel is called Welcome to the Jungle in America, which is... Is it called The Rundown here? <laughs> it should be called Jumanji The Rundown. <laughs> Jumanji The Rundown. I never saw that. The second one, yeah. I watched half funny. of it and then kind of turned it off, which is bad. I like the first one. It was funny, but the trailer for the new one just kind of looked a bit... Yeah. Oh, so you have seen the first one? Oh, yeah, I saw the first one. I really like the first one. It's just See, I'm getting confused because the first one was the Robin Williams one. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Which has not aged well at all. Hey, come on now. <laughs> it really hasn't. It's one of those films that, like, in the 90s, the special effects looked absolutely amazing. And when you watch it now, it just looks like cardboard cutouts. Kind of oh, like when the kid becomes, like, a monkey. Yeah, and the... Bugs, I think there's bugs, bigs, wasps. Or there's something. bugs, there's rhinoceroses. His dad plays the villain as well, which I don't think anyone got when they were a kid. And it was like one of those memes <laughs> Did like, you know? Did you know? <laughs> Directed by the great Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson has managed to coax out uh, Rick Moranis out of his. I don't think he was retired, but he was definitely being very picky about what he did. So picky, in fact, I don't think he's actually done a live action film since. What, 96? <laughs> I think he said he retired. I think his wife died or something. And he used to, and he yeah, to she sadly she passed away. So he's looking after his kids. But I think he turned down a part in the Ghostbusters reboot. Not the new one, but the Has he turned the down a part one. in the new one? I don't know if they've offered him. They haven't really said anything about that. But they've obviously they've said that the three remaining Ghostbusters are in it and uh, Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts are in it. But he hasn't uh, no done news on cinema film since 1996. Please tell me it was Big Liar. No. Is it Big Liar? No. Oh, what is you it? got the wrong title. Oh, it's shit, what you're what thinking of. You got the wrong title. It's him and Tom Arnold. Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> Big Bully. Big Bully. That's yeah. I've seen it too. That's his last <laughs> it's a cinema release as an actor. Uh, it's a sad one that that was his way to go out. You know, you have like uh, the Phantom Threaders. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis, last film, which was amazing. And then Rick Moranis has... Big Bully. Well, we'll see. Because he did Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, which was directed video. The third Honey the third Honey Shrunk film. That was directed by Dean Cundy, who is the cinematographer on Jurassic Park and Bats to the Future and stuff like that. So he's like a really amazing DP. And then his, his directorial debut was flipping a straight-to-video film. That seems a bit yeah, unfair. But- that conversation of DPs to directors, that's always a tricky one. Like Wally Fister. Oh, God. Transcendence. Transcendence. That was a... Oh, God. Jander Bont, though, he did Die Hard and then he did Speed and Twister, I believe. That's true. But I don't think he's done much since then. I think he did a Tomb Raider film and then fizzled out after that. He did Speed 2 Cruise Control. And then what Rick Morales has also did, director DVD, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys. Oh, God. Didn't he do a Disney film as well? Brother Bear. Brother Bear. And his last film was Brother Bear 2, which was directed to DVD in 2006. He did that? Brother Bear is like one of the most boring Disney films. It's so middle of the road. It's just... I've never seen, never seen it. It was the point in time when they're like going, yeah, we don't want to do hand-drawn stuff anymore. Is this when all films are about bears? (laughs) Oh, the county bears or whatever. The county bears and... What, 2006s? Was that was that kind of Brave time? Or was Brave after that? No, Brave was like 2000... I want to say 2013, but 2012, it might... 12, I think, yeah, so six years later. So Disney got, got one up on them on Bear films. 
But I think I think Brother Bear had a more interesting plot, and then it kind of went by the wayside. And I think Brave as well originally had like a bit more of an interesting plot going on with it. And then yeah, Brave's got a big history got... about the fact that um, the Lassiter, who we shouldn't talk about either, um, <laughs> yeah, didn't he fire the female director of the film and replace her? Yeah, I heard that because she was the first female director She's, of a yeah, Pixar the film. First female director of Pixar films, and I should say her name really, but I can't remember it. Brenda Chapman, that's it. Have they actually had a female director yet? No. Apart from, she's still listed as co-directing Brave, so she became the first woman to win like the Best Animated Feature because of that. But I think, oh, okay. I think it's fair to say that she didn't really direct it in the end. Uh, that, that's got to be heartbreaking though, man. You spend all your time and effort on yeah. something and it gets taken away from you. And it doesn't really become the film that she wanted to make in the end. Exactly, yeah. And you can kind of tell the film just doesn't really work. Just ask Zack Snyder. He knows all about that. Oh, God, I wish he would shut up about the <laughs> Snyder cut. Every few weeks it's like, guess what he tweeted to this Instagram channel? <laughs> I guarantee you one day that will see the light of day. One day. I hope it comes out like that Wolverine leak comes that came out. You know, when they did the special <laughs> effects on it. It was just like Wolverine floating around and... Yeah. But the finished effects pretty much look like that. Anyway. <laughs> I remember um, going around to uh, Scott Adkins' house when, you know, name drop. Name drop. When they were, because after he made that film, because he played, he played, played Deadpool, Deadpool, yeah. And I watched the fight scenes, but the fight scenes were cut by the choreographer how he intended them to look. And they were amazing. Okay. But, but with the way the editor cut them was totally different because uh. I think. If you've got Hugh Jackman in a film and Ryan Reynolds, you want to see their faces. So most of it was just close-ups. Yeah. So you, you didn't see any of the My cool memory action. of it is it constantly cut to kind of close-ups of Ryan Reynolds' face. Yeah, that. just me. Ryan Reynolds is in this film. It's kind of like that. Kind yeah, of. yeah. With constant, like, big eyes kind of reactions and stuff. Well, yeah, you had to have big eyes because his mouth, for some reason, his mouth was, was sewn up. <laughs> a merc with a mouth. Yeah. Let's Thank God we got Deadpool because that's a great fucking film as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to see what Disney though do with the sequel. I wonder if they're going to have Deadpool in the universe, the Marvel universe, or if it's going to be in its own separate little. I don't imagine they'll fold it all in. There's more money to make. Do you reckon? Do you reckon they'll water him down? Because I'm guessing that was what the PG-13 version was to see if they could do it and it be successful. I guess. I guess so. Yeah, and I think was the part of that as well, so it could play in China. I can't answer that, but probably it makes sense. Because China have got very strict rules, haven't they? So And they don't really care about the Marvel films, that's the problem. I think if films have got like, yeah, if they've got spiritual or religious themes, I don't think they can play, and a lot of horror films don't play over in China as well. Yeah, like the World of Warcraft, Chinese version. Did that not play over there? No, they, they had to do a version of it where they texturized the undead in it. Um, so you can't see bones sticking out of them and stuff so they kind of oh, fold really? the skin all over the bones and stuff so they didn't look so so I imagine it made a lot of money over there yeah tons tons it's always been kind of infamous that this is kind of a separate version of World of Warcraft it's the same but very slightly different in weird ways I still haven't seen that I should give it a go because the, the guy who the main guy what's his name um, I'm going to say this a lot I'm like my dad what's his name um <laughs> He was in Dead Man's Shoes, and I think he played one of the apes in uh, the second Dawn of the Apes movie. Ben Foster? Oh, Toby Kebble, that's his name. Toby Kebble. 
and I believe he's one of the main guys in Warcraft. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but I, I like him as a performer. Like Dead Man's Shoes is one of my favorite films. I think that's I really like Warcraft. Film. I absolutely stand for Warcraft. I, really, I I thought that film was much better than people gave it. Do you think that though, because you're a fan of the the game series though, or? Well, it might help, but most people who seem to be a fan of the game series don't like it much at all either. So I don't know. Right. It looks like Toby Kebbell might be like the new Andy Serkis because he was Cobra in the two two of the Planet of the Apes movies. He was in um, Warcraft, but he was also King Kong in Kong Skull Island as well. Also, another big thing this week as well, the new Batman reveal, kind of. Oh, uh, yeah, we saw Robert Patterson's chin. We saw his chin and his torso. His chest looks good. Chest looks good. And yeah. the music is all right. It sounds very Imperial March Star Wars. I didn't get that, but that's okay. Yeah, sure. We've got to start the show properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just becoming a rambly chat now, just looking through IMDb. <laughs> right, you, you, okay, you get it started then. So, like, we thought we'd do the first episode as a bit of a bonus. It might not come out immediately, but we'll start it and we'll talk about Kevin Smith. Because he's just had the Jane Silent Bob reboot come out this year. Uh, well, last year. Um, and... We figured it might be a nice way to start by coming back to this guy who was quite influential to us growing up and getting into film, especially when like Clerks came out in what nineteen ninety four was it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we were obviously weren't aware of it then. We were in our Jim Carrey is the funniest man alive, which he was in ninety four. But yeah, I reckon around end of like borderline two thousand nineteen ninety nine or whatever. That's probably when we were first kind of introduced to Kevin Smith. Oh, it's definitely before that, cause before Dogma came out. Yeah, it was definitely the trio of Clerks, Morats, and Chasing Amy. We saw them all at the same time. I don't know what it was about those films, but they kind of impregnated on us because we started to write films at that time, and they all took that tone, didn't they? Yeah. And like, you know, we were trying to emulate that sound or that vernacular that he had, which is weird because no one talks like that at all in real life. <laughs> but especially Clerks. Clerks was such a good film for two aspiring kind of film geeks to make because it has what three locations in it it has just dialogue it's black and white and the dialogue's funny and the dialogue feels really grown up and the dialogue feels really kind of snappy as well and they they just are talking about the kind of geeky stuff that we always talked about so i think clerks was a huge film for us um and a huge film and this can be done I mean, it was a massive eye-opener for me because at that point I'd only seen, like, you know, your stereotypical Hollywood films. So, you know, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Ghostbusters. Those were the things that I obsessed over. But it was what introduced me to indie cinema and made me realise, oh, if you have a camera and some friends, you can actually make a film and it can actually become something. Yeah, definitely. And it's quite inspirational, especially if you watch the making of that film and you find out how he made it and like the lengths he went to to get it done. It's quite, you know, influential and inspirational. Well, he was the indie darling at that time when that came out in 94. Him and um, him and Quentin Tarantino basically linked together at time, a time period. They kind of invented that 90s indie films. Oh, yeah, along with like Richard Linklater and... Um, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, he did uh, Magic Mike, what's his name? Soderbergh. Yeah, Soderbergh. He was all part mean? of that kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, that kind of Gen X kind of 
and even Spike Lee, I guess, to a, an extent, but that might be a bit... I think Spike Lee to a huge extent, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's weird that I think more than anything, Clerks and, and Quinta Tarantino, so Clerks and Reservoir Dogs, these two filmmakers were kind of on equal levels at that point and they could do anything they wanted to. And it's really weird that Kevin Smith, when it, where he went, I think, compared to... What do Quentin you mean Tarantino, straight away with more rats or... Straight away, or almost straight that. away. Yeah. <laughs> like, and... It's he never quite got it back, in my opinion. Which oh yeah, a lot of people turned on him straight away for doing a Hollywood film straight after Clerks. But Morgatz is really weird. It's it, it's like he he took he went he, he it's like he took the stuff that worked from Clerks and got rid of it to to put other stuff in. It it becomes it becomes a lot more vulgar without being about the kind of human characters of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is so weird because it's why everyone loved clerks is that they felt so human like you know it was out the plot was outrageous you know his girlfriend sucked was it 27 cocks 37 37 i only remember that because it was my email address for for years (laughs) i suck 37 cocks at (laughs) hotmail.com but um and then you had like doesn't one of the customers have sex with a dead body in the in the bathroom yeah, that you never see. Yeah, but it's not like so. It's not like Clerks wasn't vulgar, but you had in it a story of two people that felt really real, and then you had in it these two drug dealers, which kind of also felt real. Like you, you got the they weren't over the top or no. Yeah, the fast talking guy and his muscle basically is the way I saw it. And I think yeah, yeah. everyone who's ever bought weed or ever talked to anyone like knew those characters as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And then more rats comes along, and it's completely different. Like you've got, well, I think for a start, they they couldn't have any weed references, really. That's why they called them snoochie boochies and stuff like that because it was a made up term for how they could call things weed or whatever. I guess. So snoochies was that not in clerks at all? So I don't remember. I that. don't. I don't think so. I don't think snoochie boochies was in clerks. It was that was birthed in more rats. Uh, okay. <laughs> So immediately it goes silly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they become slapstick characters. They become really slapstick. You get the uh, you get the Batman thing in Morats. So yeah, they're just mischief makers, aren't they? Because they were tasked with taking down the the game show or whatever that takes place in the mall. Because I'm sure that's what always happens in malls. Oh, you had that weird nemesis they were trying to take down as well. The four, the floors, the floor, floors, the the mall security guard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you went. They went straight for being realistic characters to characters that had Batman belts with Batman belts grapple hooks on. You got uh, that scene when Silent Bob's just taking out all the stuff from his jacket, like Mary Poppins. Oh yeah, with like the inflatable that. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The stupid thing with Morat is I enjoyed it when I think I first watched it, but it's it's so weird going back to it because it doesn't work, and it's so weird that it clerks Morat's, and then he tried to go back to the kind of well with chasing Amy and do something that was heartfelt again. Um, and and real uh, chasing aim at time i thought was great i think going back to it now it's it's not <laughs> yeah i have a love hate relationship with that film like i think the first half of it is actually quite enjoyable but then it kind of when it tries to become a drama because it kind of just flips from being a comedy to being a straight up drama and it just doesn't mm. work in, as a it drama for me. no no and you got the whole problematic thing about you know lesbians and gay people and straight people and and the rest of that which doesn't work now at the time it felt so woke oh yeah yeah, yeah. talking about homosexuality and stuff but 
going back to it now, it's really bad. It is really bad. But I think a lot of his films, especially even Jane, Son and Bob Strikes Back, has loads of kind of... It's incredible gay question in his films. <laughs> yeah, but she's weird because his brother's gay, which is bizarre. I didn't so know think, that. I think yeah, he's... Yeah. I, God, we should get into the film proper because this is... my <laughs> That page of notes was just me writing about that mainly. But like, so Liam sent me a page of his notes on the film that we're going to talk about, which is Jane Silent Bob reboot. Reboot. He's, it looks like an insane man's... We need to post it somewhere, like on Instagram or something. Yeah, absolutely. I was losing my mind. Um, <laughs> so how many like, times have you watched this film? Just once. Just once. Just once. Um, so I've watched it twice. So how do you think I feel? Oh, God. <laughs> It's weird because, and I think this, what we have to talk about Kevin Smith though, that's the thing, and he tried to do something seriously, and it did work. I think Chasing Amy worked for him at the time. Oh yeah, he won awards for that, for, for writing. He won like Independent Spirit Award, uh, Jason Lee won like Best Acting and stuff like that, so, you know, and then he did Dogma straight after that, didn't he? Which Yeah, which I'd never gone back to watch, <laughs> but I still would say it's a good film, I don't know. It's okay. It's it's very pedestrian in the way it's shot. It's a, a lot of people like walking to a location and sitting down to have a conversation, and they walk to a bit further on in their journey to another location to sit down to have another chat. <laughs> this is what the, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot was. It was driving me fucking mad. The whole film was just two shots, <laughs> like, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah, and just people reacting, you know, big eye reacting constantly. That started in Dogma. The the, the Silent Bob Big Eyes. Oh, did it? See, you've got the history. This is why it's important. You know this so much better <laughs> than I do. Unfortunately. And I, this, is what I, this is what I was writing on my little thing. I could, I went, when did Silent Bob become this? Like, when did it become so annoying? I think Silent <laughs> Bob started to become like that when Kevin Smith started to do his like public speaking engagements and he started to perfect mm. his like shtick and his stories. And they started to become more and more cartoony as he'd kind of tell them and then he started to do the podcast and then he started to get even bigger and his bravado started to get even bigger and it just translated into like his character on screen as well I guess he's good at talking though that's the thing but it's like anything like anything that character starts off as like and this is gonna sound like a really weird analogy but if you watch the first series of scrubs (laughs) bear with me Okay. It starts off feeling like, oh, they're in a real hospital. It feels a bit mundane, a bit boring and stuff. And by the end of it... A hospital that's not, not painted. It's bright colours everywhere. Everyone's wearing floral scrubs and that. And you're like thinking, what the <laughs> fuck's going on? And it's kind of like with Kevin Smith's acting in those films, he's gone from just being this kind of morose guy that's kind of standing by Jay, not saying anything, just hardly reacting to him, to being this kind of like wide-eyed Looney Tune character. The- the emoji thing was driving me oh, mad. It's the overtyping, the over... Like, yeah, because every time he did it, it was like the same length of bit. It was like a family guy bit, and it was just infuriating to me. But that, like, after Dogma, he drops off a cliff, though. Like, Jane, Silent Bob Strikes Back, Jersey Girl, Clerks 2, are just these... Bi- well, Jersey Girl's a mess. Jersey Girl doesn't fit into this, but the, the ones that are like View Askew films are just these big cartoony messes that are not at all, ha- like, work. Clerks 2 annoys the crap out of me, but... It has a dance. It has, like, a musical yeah. moment, doesn't it, where everyone breaks out into a, a big song and dance moment. And it's like, what? This isn't Clerks. I remember being so excited for Clerks 2 because I thought he would make Clerks, and he doesn't. He just made a big cartoony Kevin Smith film. 
Like he basically made more rats too with Clerk's characters in it. Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. And it, it's it's weird that he didn't learn what people liked about Clerks ever. But that's the thing. Like this is why I I almost feel uncomfortable sitting here moaning about Kevin Smith is because he he hates critics. Oh yeah, and that he becomes obsessed with critics, and that's what Jane Son of Bob Strikes Back is all about. If I remember, it's just like how dare you criticize me? I'm doing what I like, kind of thing. And it's it's weird though the reaction that I've seen online from like I'm on a few movie groups on Facebook or whatever, and they're like going, "Oh, this is the most over the top kind of self indulgent Kevin Smith film I've ever seen," and I love it, and I'm like. That's the reason why I kind of hated it. That's the reason I don't think I can stand <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. It's not even I don't like Kevin Smith. I think I like Kevin Smith. I think he's a really good guy. But I mean, I've shared a taxi with him and he is genuinely a lovely, awesome guy. And I believe there's a really good filmmaker in him. Like, have you seen Red State? Yeah, I, I did watch Red State. And I don't know if my viewing is blinded because he was in the screening room when I saw it. But I quite liked it. But I need to watch it again to to judge it better well this morning when i was getting obsessed with kevin smith yeah i watched tusk oh have you not seen tusk before no okay. i've never watched his latter films uh, i'd watched i'd never seen cop out i'd watched red state and i don't really remember it but i decided to watch tusk and it, tusk could still be playing right now it feels like the longest fucking <laughs> film i've ever watched for one joke because there's <laughs> There's nothing in I it. Know. There's nothing in it, and like it just keeps going on. I looked at it, and like it was like forty minutes left, and I figured he was already a walrus, and Johnny Depp hadn't been in it yet, and that Johnny Depp character in that film is just the worst thing. So that film became about because of an episode of his podcast. Yeah, which is what Kevin Smith becomes. You know. So he read the story about a gum tree ad, which, ironically enough, our friend Jackie Gavin lived with the guy who wrote the gum tree ad that Tusk is based on, which is a, a really weird story in itself. Okay. Did you know that? No, 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 no. no. So, yeah, I had to try and get them in contact because obviously he owned the, the rights to the story technically because he wrote the gum tree ad. Okay. So when they found out that I knew the person who wrote the gum tree ad or by proxy, I knew the person who wrote the Gumtree ad. They had to make him a producer on the film. <laughs> but anyway... So yeah, you I had guess... to get in contact with him and get in contact with the producers of Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway. But uh, yeah, that film is not great. And it's a shame, because I think that might have been Michael Park's last film, maybe. I was going to ask that. Yeah, it might be. He's alright, isn't it? He's not great, and he's alright, though. But he's one of those actors who I think can take anything and make it sound... Uh, I actually you know, thought Justin Long was quite good in it, if I'm honest. I actually like Justin Long in a lot of things, to be honest. Maybe not in the film that we're talking about today. But <laughs> oh, That scene confused the crap out of me. I didn't know why it was in it, or funny, or what the joke was. And then... Well, you know that character's in no, I found Zach and Mary Make a Porno. <laughs> Go on, say that again. <laughs> so he's in Zach and Mary Make a Porno, just in St. Randy or something like that? Yeah, I didn't know that going in. I didn't remember him from that film. I basically then watched a video of Kevin Smith explaining that he's merging his films in more universes, and that's why he needed that scene to be in that film. Yeah, because you need to merge those universes together. <laughs> so the plot of Jane and Silent Bob reboot, mm. it's like a meta story, I guess, of them remaking the Jane and Silent Bob movie that they make in Strikes Back. But then they added on an extra story of where he meets his daughter. Mm. Which is because he had as a daughter. 
Yeah, with a fling with the woman in Jane Simon Bob Strokes back. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's in the film oh. because Jason Mewes had a daughter. Oh, in real life, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is almost infuriating, infuriating thing for me about Kevin Smith is that it, he just makes films about his life. Yeah, like, and it's fine. You make films whatever you're doing and if whatever, but it's just the whole film felt like that to me. It like felt like it was just about himself i guess which i don't know cut this out <laughs> well i guess they say that about a lot of filmmakers though i mean yeah. if you look at christopher nolan's films most of those films the characters in his films are proxies of him so sure. if you watch inception leonardo dicaprio is pretty much christopher nolan the way he dresses and the way he looks it's that film the theory, he isn't it, that every film is about the director oh yeah 100 percent. it's altair directing and stuff yeah yeah but um I guess at some point I got tired of Kevin Smith writing. Is that what it is? Well, it he for me this film felt like a one draft film that he did one draft of. I've heard him make reference he was on his second or third draft of this film. I was like, I don't believe that. <laughs> like it feels like a one draft film. Well, it's kind of a third draft film anyway because he tried to make Clerks no More Rats two. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he tried to make Clerks three. And neither of those projects got off the ground. Yeah. So he instead did this. So what? He took elements from those and put it in this film. Is that what you... I don't know. I don't know what the previous scripts were, but it, it feels like to me he was just trying somehow to get a VSQ film out. And he and he right. failed at doing the two things. So he just did this, basically. Which I guess had similar themes in it. I'll tell you what's confusing as well in this film. So Kevin Smith's in it as a character. Mm. But Bob in it is now vegan. Yeah. And he's also also, also had, had a heart, heart attack, attack and and can't fly because he was too fat or referenced that he was too fat to fly. So oh, God, I forgot they had that bit in it. So like I didn't even get that. I had to Google it and found out what the f- point they were making. Uh, it just feels it just felt very lazy, the writing. Like the guy who has the taxi driver who has an oven in his car. What's that about? What is that about? And it the hater tots. I, one of my notes was, <laughs> "Oh God, Fred Armiston's back." <laughs> I just assumed it was going to be like, "Yeah, he's in it, and that's the end of it." And he kept on coming back, and I was so confused. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just like, what? What? Okay, that's actually a that's actually a thing. Later on, the girls somehow end up with the KKK. Yeah, which was really bizarre. <laughs> and Chris Jericho's eating the hater tots. Fred Armstrong. Is that Chris like, Jericho? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was see that hater tots joke for me felt like you know in Mallrats where they've got the back of a Volkswagen joke. Oh fuck yeah, yeah yeah. Like yeah. a shit joke that just didn't go anywhere. It felt like that kind of joke to me. It was like, oh. I couldn't believe it kept on getting called back. That's what I just couldn't. Yeah, it's, it's one of those shitty callback jokes. I tell you the one thing that I that I that kept distracting me the whole way through the film. And I'll I'll say this first though. I actually thought Jason Mewes was all right in the film. Yeah. I thought out of out of everyone in the film, he was the best in it. Yeah. And because I really watched Strikes Back as well, he's actually surprisingly really. It sounds horrible to say that, but he's actually really good in Jason Bob Strikes Back and really holds it together. Jason Mewes has to carry the film. He's got no choice. Yeah. And he, but I think he's quite good in it. I think he's quite good. But I couldn't get past his lips in this man, like his mouth. He's really weird to look at now. And I think that's because he's had like all dentures put in. 
because I'm guessing heroin probably fucks up with your gums and stuff. You know, he's clean now, and that's great. And I'm not—I don't want to say like, but oh yeah, yeah, it, it is a bit distracting. But then I guess you could probably say the same about Kevin Smith is now thin. Yeah. So we we're used to a portly Silent Bob. They both look wrong. Is uh, is fair to say, I think. Yeah, well, I guess as well. It's what sixteen years since they, or fifteen years since they've last done a mm. James Son and Bob f- film. Like, what was it? Clerks Two, the last one they were in. Well, was Degrassi after? That? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> and that fucking cartoon, Jason. What was it called? James Son and Bob's Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. Super groovy. Oh, that film. Did you watch any of it? No, I w- well, I watched a very bit of it and I couldn't stick with it because the animation was so terrible. And it just was so lazy. Lazy writing and lazy jokes and just... Do you know what the one thing I found really weird? Like, first of all, I couldn't stand his daughter in it. She just drove me nuts in it. She's not great. The lines he writes for his daughter to say, I just don't know how you could do it. <laughs> so he writes lines that his daughter's got two dildos and a strap on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how could you write that? Like... I thought that wasn't a bad line, if I'm honest. But I, d- I don't know how you could write that for your daughter, though, man. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds all kinds of wrong. It's such a weird film to watch, though, because it's just endless cameos and endless references. like, And it doesn't stop giving you cameos and references. And a lot of the references, I don't even understand. I just know they're references. I know he's got Matt Damon in this film for a really bizarre cameo. That's such a bizarre cameo. Why does that happen? And then you've got the... Ben Affleck super preachy scene. Yeah, which is him trying to get rid of the problems from chasing Amy. Which is weird because that scene wasn't in the film before. It's quite a lengthy scene because I think in he only wrote that film into produ- like halfway into production when he found out Ben Affleck wanted to be in the film. So he was like, oh, I'll write this flipping 10-page scene for you. Yeah. So I wonder what was in that space then before... Probably nothing. It didn't make any difference. It's the you can cut anything out of this film and it doesn't make a difference. That's true. <laughs> like a, I was because I was watching uh, Strikes Back as well. So they have a scene in that, like a sequence in that where they're going through the studio back lot and they're going through all different kind of movies. So Good Will Hunting to Scream Four or whatever, and I think they see a Daredevil film being made and stuff like that. And this one, I don't think going from comic convention panel to panel is as interesting no. as a, a studio as a studio lot. lot. No, I don't think it was a good thing to set up at all. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> like the clerk's panel was funny because most of the people in it, like they didn't have Randall in it. They had one guy in it who is Kevin Smith's cousin who was actually cut out of the f- finished film and he shoots <laughs> he shoots Dante in it and he's on the panel and I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I think I wrote a note about the clerk's thing and I can't find it in my mass of notes. I just want to preface this though. I was I was having a moan about him writing lines about his daughter having dildos and stuff. I've got nothing wrong with girls having sexualized dialogue or you know because you know men do it all the time. It's just the fact that her dad wrote it. That's all I have issue with because I find that just a bit weird. I think him and his daughter seem to have a really good relationship. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I just like the whole plot of the film was this idea that having a daughter is a good thing because it's like a reboot of you. Is that... That was the moral of the film? I'm guessing so. Cause, yeah, I assume so. And I'm guessing... Is that like part of one of her... Her best friends was, a, was the deaf girl? Yeah. So she's kind of like the silent Bob, yeah. I guess. I don't understand why there's a girl called Jihad, though. 
Yeah, because that was hilarious, that's why. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so if this is the way he kind of is trying to put parenting into his films, and he does it through a lens of comic booky kind of comic book movies, reboot, remake, then fine. But you say that, like, Jersey Girl was all about being a dad, though, wasn't it? Yeah, good point. And that was just a boring middle of the road, it's like just a boring <laughs> comedy drama kind of thing. This yeah. is boring as well. Like it was yeah, true. tiresome. <laughs> it was so hard uh, to make it all the way through, and it's just it, I don't want to sit here and just moan about him. <laughs> but like, I wanted, to, I did really go into it thinking I'd like it. It was hard to like it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like beating up a good friend. Yeah, yeah. If like like you want them to do well and you kind of champion them to do something interesting and it's just resting on the laurels of having these cameos which I mean the original film had loads of cameos but I think they kind of they kind of worked in that and they felt a bit more not seamless but they kind of I think it's what I disliked about that film originally anyway and it, I can't believe they did it again in the same way and... no but I kind of like George Carlin's little cameo in the in the original one and stuff like that and uh, then you have uh, like you had Scooby Doo moment as well, where they get they get like they're hitchhiking and they get picked up in the mystery mobile, and it's almost like a pre-Family Guy kind of gag where it's like a meta joke kind of. Well, that's the thing. The best thing he ever did, apart from Clerks, was probably the Clerks cartoon. Which, yeah, which is very much like that kind which of. Which was humor. like that, yeah. Which I guess what he's always been trying to do since then is bring that kind of sense of anarchy into his live action films. Though it isn't all he's tried to do because he's tried to do stuff like Red State and Tusk and stuff like that, but. Um, this doesn't feel like that kind of sense of cartoon anarchy to it. It feels really slow and really kind of... Oh, it's very stilted. Stilted, yeah, because the whole film isn't shot with any diamondism. Is that a word? Like, because it's just these static shots constantly. It's very pedestrian shot, basically. And it's like when we used to make films. This is the film, this is the scene where two people sit on a couch. This is the scene when two people walk down the road. This is the scene when two people order food. Like, it's it's just that constantly. It's weird. Don't you think, like, people really overact as well? Like, the opening scene where, like, the SWAT team come and, like, bust them at their chicken... What is it? Cock... Cock smokers. I wrote that on my my Cock smokers. And like everyone's so aggressive, like overly aggressive. I'm like, no one would be like that. Like, <laughs> they're just so like, oh. and then they're like, he hasn't got a dick. Yeah, and that... I'm like who would, who would be like that verbally upset or ag- <laughs> like? The film lost me at that point. I was literally thinking you're doing a reference to a reference to a reference to, reference. to, <laughs> to Silent to um, Silence of the Lambs. Like, it's like who is this for? Like. Because if you're referencing Silence of the Lambs in 2020, I mean, Silence of the Lambs is a fantastic film, but it's a weird reference. But you're only going to find that funny if you've seen all the other films, and that's what it's for. He's He cultivated a group of fans that became his kind of moneymakers, and he just makes films for that. Like. Are you going to have people, though, who now just think that that joke is is a callback to The Clerks 2, and that was the only time it was... like They, they don't know it's from yeah, don't know, no, no. Silence of the Lambs. Do you know what I mean? Fan, like, this this sounds horrible and a bit generalising, but like a lot of fans of Kevin Smith, they haven't grown out of him. Basically, they've kind of stuck with him, which is fine if that's what you're into. That's totally fine. But they haven't kind of moved on from it. And I think because he's such a kind of like hands-on with his fans, they kind of they're really dear to him, and they kind of stick through him through thick and thin. Which I guess I have to an extent as well. 
Do you know what I mean? I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I think it's right. I think I think it does make you want to stick with him and makes you want to kind of grab hold of it because at one point he made something that was really good and really influential. Yeah. And he's kind of just a source of... He's a source of inspiration in that element, but since then he's just been this source of frustration, endless frustration. Like, please do something good again. Like, please do something that that speaks to me again. Have you heard about the plot of The New Clerks 3? Uh, no. <laughs> so apparently the original script he can't use because he's used elements in it from it for, for this film, for Makes this sense. reboot. And apparently it's quite a dark film. Okay. So his new version is now that Randall has a heart attack. Oh, God. Of course. And then is. decides to make a film in the quick stop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he's he's also done that storyline in um Zack and Miri. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they make a they make a porno in their coffee shop where they work. Yeah, that's right. And it's just now it's becoming just like what's the cycle like the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. Now? It's just kind of lost. It's so weird that um the the criticism I was trying to say earlier about him was um that he just does stuff from his own life, which is not fair criticism because that's what everyone does, but he really does just do stuff from his own life. <laughs> like, like, really strongly does that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what the plot for Mallrats 2 is. Originally, it was meant to be Mallrats 2 Die Hard in a Mall because he was going to do an animated film based on it originally. This is, this, talking about Kevin Smith's career is just talking about a series of projects that never happened. Mm. Like, and, like, like Guillermo del Toro is like that, though. <laughs> yeah, well. it's true. Well, I mean, you look at the films that Kevin Smith was supposed to direct, like Ranger Danger. I actually, uh, one of my notes when watching it was, Ranger Danger makes me sad. <laughs> what do you mean? Because <laughs> you thought that'd be interesting. It was at the back of the comic. It was a Ranger Danger advert. It just made me think that I've been seeing references to Ranger Danger for like, I don't know, 20 years or something. And he's never done anything with it. And all he keeps doing is just putting references to Ranger Danger and stuff as if this thing exists. And it's like, just make it, Kevin. <laughs> Did you notice, though, the Ranger Danger picture on that comic book is, I think it's lifted from uh, Into the Spider-Verse, Miles Morales. Oh, right. It's basically a redrawn <laughs> version of that. Okay. But that comic book shop was the most sparse comic book shop I've ever seen. <laughs> well, no one buys comics anymore. It was one comic deep on the shelves. <laughs> but I guess like, because he shot it, I probably shot it in Atlanta or something like that. So he was away from New Jersey. So he was away from his own comic book shop. So he didn't have that location. So they just had to make like these quick yeah, and cheap locations yeah. that kind of that worked for them. But then, so then, yeah. So he was going to do Die Hard in a Mall. But then he was going to do a Mall Rats two, and he was going to be called Mall Brats. And yeah. then it became the Mall Brats series, and it was going to become like a six episode series or whatever. And now I think it's back to being a film. So God knows what that's going to be. I put it here. But, it uh, says um, Twilight of the Mall Rats or something. Oh God! <laughs> Maybe I'm making that up. Would well, you remember when he kept trying to call Clerks Two Passion of the Clerks? <laughs> That's good. That's a good title. It's better than Clerks too. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched Tusk, and you know, in Tusk, you got the two, uh, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter play the clerks in that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then he made Yoga Hoses, which I didn't get around to watching, but I was going to watch. Um, uh, apparently, he they fight they fight sausage Nazis. Yeah, the whole f- film seems to be a joke of the fact that you can merge the word bratwurst and Nazi. 
that seems to be the joke. Um, oh, God. <laughs> but um, I haven't seen it, but I've been told that film is kind of like, it's trying to make a g- film about teenage girls. Okay. And uh, when I was watching Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, it made me think about the fact that this film is trying to be a film about teenage girls more than it is trying to be about kind of Jane Silent Bob. Because as soon as they come into the film, it kind of changes the film about those four characters, like a gang of teenage girls in a way. Yeah. And I feel like Kevin Smith is trying to do that. Like he is trying to write for his daughter in a way that, look, I've raised a teenage girl and I know what teenage girls are. Like I'm going to make content for them but in a Kemi Smith kind of way. Yeah. And I wonder if that's what he was going to do with More Rats, is my point. I wonder if he was going to try and do More Rats about modern teenage girls. And that was going to be his... Oh, yeah, 100%, I reckon, yeah. And so that's what he took from that that didn't happen. He put it into this film. Well, I think think part of the idea was there was going to be a Comic-Con in the mall. So that's definitely what he took for the end of this film, I reckon was the Chronicon, which was probably what was going to be in the mall. Yeah, I guess. probably. Probably. But but yeah, I I, I always thought, I, from watching the film, I thought that he was, they were going to pass the mantle of Jane Silent Bob to at least the two girls. I thought that, yeah. Harley Quinn and the deaf girl. You shouldn't call but, it um, just the deaf girl. <laughs> well, I don't know what her name is. <laughs> I apologise. Let's have a look. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I could I could barely name a film net character in that at all. I'm allowed to anyway. It's like because I'm partially deaf. I'm allowed to say that. I'm sure, that's how it works. Oh, apparently Moose Jaws is another film that he's going to make. Yeah, Moose Jaws is meant to be the third of his Canadian trilogy. It's the whole Tusk thing was pissing me off because it was just like haha, Canada's funny, and it was just like it was really getting on my nerves. Brian O'Halloran is in this film so much that it was confusing to me. Well, because you know they're all they're all meant to be related. His characters, so you've got. Oh, was he playing Gil different Hicks. characters? Yeah, so he's Dante Hicks, Gil Hicks, and God. Grant Hicks, and they're all related. Okay, so... here's one for you. Here's one for you for your USQ knowledge. <laughs> Go on. Then. Why was there such a focus on a fat guy drinking coffee outside of the? I kind of um... want to say his name's Dave Mandel. And he's also the producer and showrunner of Veep. Oh, really? And formerly the executive executive producer of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It <laughs> could be a different guy, though. But I'm pretty sure it's him. But again, I don't know. <laughs> so it was something I was meant to concentrate on then. Because it was just that, that watching this film felt like stuff like, I think I'm meant to recognise that. That's meant to be a thing I know. It's like It's like watching a spoof film full of references to things you don't know at all but you can tell they're doing it and referencing it but you can't actually tell who it is this is impossible I actually cannot tell you that character's name I've, I've gone through IMDb and it's in an order that I can't Soapy Soapy is the character's name yeah just played by just Shell to Shell Edmonds oh okay Soapy. I do not remember her being called Soapy. But it is her. I, I apologise to Shell Edmund for calling you the deaf girl. <laughs> well, I can't believe we've gone for all that and found out that I'd never heard of being called Soapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah, she was never... I, I mean, I know that the one girl was called Millennium Falcon and the other one was called Jihad and I've forgotten what the Chinese slash Russian girl was. Uh, that was Shan Wu. 
Shenwu. See, that came out of nowhere, the whole Black Widow. She was trying to destroy American pop culture by killing Kevin Smith. Because that, that would have a big impact. <laughs> what really annoyed me, this is this is like a Cinema Sins bullshit, so I don't care. But what really annoyed me was Silent Bob gets chucked out of the convention and then it all kicks off in there and Jay does that big speech about how like he's her father. And then um, you see outside Silent Bob look at the kind of suit, the iron suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which then you cut in and, and the door's pummeling, right? Yeah. And he busts in and, and Silent Bob's wearing the iron Silent Bob's costume or something. So he's got a backwards cap yeah. on it. But Jay announces that before he comes in the room. So I was like, how the fuck did Jay know there was a... Oh, he says Iron Bob. Yeah. He goes, now you're going to meet my friend Iron Bob. So how the fuck does Jay know that? Like, I was like, has this costume been in other films? Or is this something that happens that follows them around or something or it was so annoying to me <laughs> so then I ended I was like I watched this film and then I went I want to watch another Kevin Smith film so I watched Tusk because it was the only one available on Prime basically that I hadn't seen and um, I was just like I'm, I'm I want to watch more Kevin Smith stuff I, who is Kevin Smith why is he trying to do this like I know he retired like why like, like so I ended up watching Hollyweed. Oh, is this his TV show? Have you seen? Yeah, so he's done a sitcom pilot. Oh, it's just one episode. It's just one episode at the moment. I don't know if it got picked up or what, but I found it online. Okay. And Kevin Smith is much better in that than he is in in this film. Like completely better in it. Really. And like the problem with, I felt like the problem with Jane, Son, and Bob is the fact that Kevin Smith isn't good at being silent at all. Uh, and he kind of he kind of ruins it because he he's not a good silent person. He's a guy that has a motor mouth on him. He's a guy who never stops talking. And it's silly that he overplays his role as Silent Bob now because he feels like he's not doing enough and if he's not doing that is what I thought anyway. And then Hollywood is quite funny and it's not great. It's, you know, but it's... It, I liked it a lot more than I liked this film. A lot more. So what's the premise of that then? I think that him and his mate run a weed dispensary in California, basically. And they, oh, okay. they care about growing the weed. It's, I think it's a good sitcom plot, basically. But then I started watching videos of um, Kevin Smith talking about Kevin Smith as well. What, talking about his favourite subject? Kevin Smith, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. he does this video about... Um, theories about the VSQ world and like people were writing on Reddit about theories they have about the VSQ universe and stuff and he says that um, someone says Jay no the question is Silent Bob is gay is his theory okay and Kevin Smith goes basically goes yep yeah, you're right like like he's always been gay that's the that's the joke um, and actually, it confirms it in this film as well, because he was talking about Jane Silent Bob reboot. I don't remember it being confirmed in this film at all. I don't think that he can play off his kind of con- continual gay panic jokes as, oh, actually, he was gay all along. I think that's kind of offensive. Well, there's a scene in Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back where 
Diedrich Bader, who's like a famous voice artist. Yeah, I think he did Batman yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. He's like a uh, security on on the studio back lot. He plays the security in this as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. and then Jay and Silent Bob, they try and say, look, will you let us go? If Silent Bob has oral sex with me, will you let us off? And he's like, yeah, go on then, but make it sexy. So then Bob goes then to go down on Jay, but then Jay then smacks the security guy on the head. And then Jay turns to Bob going, ooh, you're really going to do it. And then as Jay walks away, Simon Bob's shaking his head, but then it quickly turns into a nod, and it's like, all right then. Hey, I'll make you a deal. This guy will suck your dick off if you let us go. Contrary to what you believe, not everyone in the industry is a homosexual. How about this deal? He'll suck my dick while you watch and jerk off. All right. Make it fast and sexy. It's either this or jail, and you know what they do to you in jail. I was a guard. All right. And after it's all over, you say, oh, what a lovely tea party. you waiting for a bitch start sucking bonging worth a shot like a shot in your fucking mouth you gay bitch ew dude you were really gonna suck my dick he pointed to that and said like yeah see it was always that way. It's like, oh, did he actually point to that that bit? Yeah. And it's just, no, no, it's just, your whole films have always been just cock jokes and gay sex jokes. Like, <laughs> let's not pretend that there was some greater thought to this or something, or greater, like, sense of, like, inclusion or something. I just hate it. I don't know. I just found it offensive in this film. It's he's trying to play off kind of the the gay panic jokes that he constantly does as inclusion. And I felt it kind of disin... disingenuous. Disingenuous, yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess it was a it was an awkward time in the nineties. I mean, uh Chasing Amy, a white a white straight man trying to write humour for the LGBT community. It's never gonna kind of come across as genuine. It's not always gonna land. Exactly. But then people then cite Friends as having like gay panic humour. It's full of it. But the creators and writers of Friends were gay. The 90s was which full is, of gay panic Which jokes, is crazy. Like, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say as well though. Like the 90s was full of this. The 90s, like, 90s films are full of it. The 90s sitcoms are full of it. Stand up was as well. Like it was all just normal. And that's what Kevin Smith writing is. It's a product of that. And I don't think that he's grown with it even if his thoughts on it in his head have grown you know he's become more inclusive and more accepting whatever i don't know if he's writing growing with it i think it's just he's doing the same jokes but now pretending they're inclusional rather than being not offensive but just a bit kind of tired more than anything else. well i was gonna say do you consider them being homophobic though those jokes um it's homophobic in a way that it feels kind of um uh, othering like and it feels kind of exclusionary 
kind of people like you wouldn't hang out with okay anymore in that kind of way it's not that necessarily he's doing anything hateful or thinks anything hateful but you kind of wouldn't choose to hang out with those people if they constantly make those jokes i think is the way i kind of started feeling about it which is i guess why i started turning on the film a little bit but yeah no i, I get you yeah, yeah it's odd i found it odd anyway i found it like especially because we're talking so long after clerks <laughs> like that it still feels the same but now he's justifying it in a weirder way yeah, I mean, how long ago was that? 25 years ago? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. And I think Strikes Back is probably worse for that. I haven't watched it recently, but I can imagine it's worse. Oh, right? yeah, there's so many, like, what is it? I hate guys, I love women, all that kind of... Yeah, 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 constant. That kind of stuff, like, just just to find their manliness or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, to find some sort of dominance or to find some manliness. But then you had, like, Jay's wife, and this was then with uh, Rosie O'Dawson, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing her surname is Falcon. Oh, God, I do not know. Is Rosie Dawson the same character that's in Clerks 2? I don't think she's the same character. <laughs> I was wondering, though, if his wife was the same character from Clerks 2. Which one's his wife? She's the one that Kevin Smith ends up having sex with in the bathroom. That's what I want. Kevin yeah, Smith okay, is... yeah, yeah. Um, she is playing the same character from... Um... Uh, uh, tusk and yoga hoses rather than who is his wife yeah 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 yeah. i didn't know she was in either of those i i I know that because of this fucking video i watched (laughs) so is movies in those films then or not uh no because they're in canada and there's a oh okay they don't have movies over there there's a canadian brand called it seemed like gimli something gim gim there's a scene in tusk where uh um, he's squashing, like Johnny Depp's squashing a slider for ages, and he squashes it into like a flat disc, and that takes place. A slider? In, you know, a slider, mini burger. Oh, yeah, okay. Tiny burger, yeah. He, he kind of squashes it for ages with one of the longest scenes in cinema history. So does that mean we're potentially going to get another Johnny Depp performance in... Yeah. In, what's it, Moose Jaws? <laughs> Moose Jaws. <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't realise how big moose were and I saw a video the other day of like this moose just walking on the side of a road and these, this car just slowed down to film it. They're fucking ginormous. Yeah. They're like scarily big. I think Buck's going to be huge. I've never seen one. So any more thoughts on um, James Silent Bob Reboot? I'll tell you what, one thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but I thought it was really dark. It just seemed really, really, the cinematography was really dark. Yeah. I, I did notice, to be honest. No, but I don't know if it's because I watched Strikes Back before, but that felt, it looked more like a film. I'm guessing it's probably because it was shot on film as opposed to digital. Did the same person shoot both films? Do you know? Ooh, that's a good good question. Let's have a look. I very much doubt it. Um, Does he have a go-to cinematographer? He used to. He used to have a guy called David Klein, but he then became the lead cinematographer on Homeland, you know, the TV series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he did all of the films up until Dogma. Well, well, basically he was told he was not allowed to have him for Dogma, which apparently they just won an award for Chasing Amy. And he went to have a meeting the same day about uh, Dogma and they're all excited. And the girl who was going to play, uh, you know, Alyssa from Chasing Amy? Yeah. She was going to play the lead in Dogma. Oh, okay. But but Harvey Weinstein was like, 
you cannot hire her. You have to hire this person, mm. and you cannot have. Uh, so now, now there's now there's now I know. There's probably what that reasons means. why you didn't yeah. want her, or I don't know. Ugh. But um, so, cinematographer on Strikes Back was Jamie Anderson, who I've never heard of, and he doesn't have an IMDb. I don't think. I mean, none of it. None of his films uh, look that great, though. To be fair, David Klein shot Clerks too. Did he? Oh, and a guy called so Yaron this... Levy shot. Yeah, I've just seen that one. Yeah, don't know. I believe Jersey Girl had quite a good cinematographer on it, though. That must really suck, going back to the chase, the dogma thing, though. That's you can see why his arc getting fed up with studio pictures kind of happened. If that's the kind of stuff that happened to his crew and people, he oh, like he can't pick and choose who he wants in his yeah. film. He's kind of dictated, and you can see why he got fed up with it all, but. I feel like he's a weird So the guy. cinematographer who did Jersey Girl also worked on Close Encounters, did Close Encounters and Deer Hunter. Hmm. Who's that? So, yeah. Uh, his name is Vilmos Zygmunt. Vilmos Zygmunt, okay. And his last film, he hasn't done a film in 10 years. So he did You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger. He did The Black Dahlia, Melinda and Melinda. Ghost in the Darkness, Assassins. Oh, that's a run. The Witches of Easterwick. Oof. Oh, we did Blowout, which I love that. Oh, film. I love Blowout. Yeah, Blowout's a great film. And he did Deliverance as well. Oh yeah, but the music as well, like, it was pretty incidental. It wasn't really. It was one of the things that stood out to me when I watched Strikes Back for the first time because it felt like it was a cartoon. Oh man! Like it had cartoon sound effects, everything, and the music. Well, the as music well. punctuates jokes, and there's also there's one bit with George Carlin that really stuck out to me. Where if you're hitchhiking, you've got to give a guy blowjobs. I was going to say there's there's about a five minute segment that's just about giving blowjobs to yeah. hitchhikers. And then the last line is of his is first rule in the book, and the way he says it, they accentuate it with the music going did dun. If you get a ride, it's expected. I don't care who the driver is. It's the first rule in the book. What book? The unwritten book of the road. And it, and it's just so irritating because every five seconds it goes. See, I seem to remember liking that decision because it's trying to just be a live action tune. So, no, I didn't mind it in that film. It's a reboot that kind of it didn't really have anything going on. So I just thought to myself that I really liked the way Tusk was shot because um, it doesn't look like his other films at all. And the guy who shot Tusk shot Moonlight and If Bill Street Could Talk. Really? Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Who shot Yoga Hoses? So that I should say the guy is James Laxton who shot Tusk and shot Moonlight. And he did Yoga Hoses. Did he as well? I didn't see that. yeah. Man, it would have helped if he shot this. Anyway, Kevin Smith, the man who has... <laughs> um, what a guy. I think he's probably influenced more films than he'll ever get credit for. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, they kind of... Judd Apatow and all that crew kind of credit him for kind of starting that kind of bro kind of everyday conversational kind of humour. Influential, but also kind of influential, not just... In inspiring people, I mean, like he 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 set his own production company up. His tendrils go far. We've just found out with like uh, James Laxton, was it that there's people who get jobs through his films that end up going to do other things. He's produced films. He 
you gave you know yourself money for a, yeah, yeah for like kickstarts and stuff so he's a guy who i don't think you can remove from especially 90s cinema history but it's just really weird that he got lazy with it or just stopped caring or something i think if i had to kind of point at something at where did kevin smith go wrong or or, or not like i don't like to say it like that because he's doing whatever he wants to do but um it's it's when he got so obsessed with critics i think is when he starts getting problems and the weird thing is is that he was clerks became a hit because of critics no one would have found that film if it wasn't for film critics saying that this is a really good film this is really important and as soon as those same critics say you're not doing a good thing he just can't handle that and well i think when he did more when he did more rats and they just suddenly turned on him i think that was a big thing for him and that's why he suddenly thought well i've got to go back to he took it personally to my roots and do a film like Clerks, which is off my not off my own back, so I don't think he got no, no, no. Again, going back to like being told who you can cast and who you can't. I think when he did when he wanted to do Chasing Amy, they said you got to have David Schwimmer, Drew Barrymore, and you can get you know your six million dollars that you want. And he says, well, I want to cast these people, and he goes, well, here you go, you can have two hundred fifty thousand dollars and make what you want. <laughs> and yeah, like you know, Miramax won out either way then, so because they still own the film. Yeah, and it probably makes as much money as it would have done if it had those people in. So yeah, is stuck and he seems very happy and content doing what he does, and that's that's great. Then I guess for him, but for people who want more from him, it's a bit of a shame. I think Kevin Smith is best when he's being sincere, and I think the problem with reboot is it's at its best when it's being sincere, but most of the film is not. Most of the film is just him doing cameos from his universe, bringing actors in he likes, tying up things that are nothing to do with the film, but they're something to do with the kind of universe that he's created, or just yeah. doing callbacks to that stuff. When he writes something sincere, it worked for me. Like, the last chat worked for me, when it was um, Millennium outside Falcon the quick and stop. Jay outside the quick stop. That worked for me. If the film was about that, I think it'd be better than a film is. If he was just trying to do something, since it's weird when I'm saying that he constantly does stuff from his own life, but he doesn't do it sincerely. If he just did a sincere film about what he thinks about fatherhood or what he thinks about, you know, his heart attack or what he thinks about whatever he wants to talk about, you know, the geek culture that he loves, it might work. But he never went back to that sincere well that he did in Clerks. He never really tapped that again. It's almost like he got put off about the fact that he put so much of himself on the line for kind of let's say other films or something that he just backed away from it forever and I'll go back to saying mate if Clerks 3 is about something maybe that could be really good but I don't think Clerks 3 is going to be Clerks 1 I think it's going to be Clerks 2 oh okay <laughs> oh damn it <laughs> but I just you know that's why I mean. that's like if Cars 3 makes Cars 2 look like Cars 1 is that the joke I can't remember Griff, Griffin Newman's joke. <laughs> have you have you seen that Griffin Newman's going to be in Kevin Smith's Kevin Smith's, Smith's yeah, 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 he is. He's going to play He's the assistant to <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. I think that's such good... I'm so happy for Griffin actually getting that. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, again, he's just cast people from his world in that as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. So we, I can't believe we spent the whole time talking about Kevin Smith. We haven't talked about the fact he's just got a Netflix He-Man series. I know. 
And he has. He's just. He's absolutely just cast it with the people he knows as well. I mean, I'm quite. I, I quite like Mark Hamill as Skeletor, though. I have to yeah, say. yeah, it's great. Uh, isn't Kevin Conroy playing someone? Yeah, so he's. Is he Merman? Yeah, so Deidre Bader's in it as Trapjaw. Kevin Conroy's Merman. Liam Cunningham. Can you guess? Can you guess who Liam Cunningham's going to play? Uh, I'm trying to think of characters you know, from here. You, you know, know he masters the universe world. Uh, I don't know, really. Um, not Man at Arms. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you'd get it. <laughs> uh, Susan Eisenberg's playing Sorceress. I don't know who Sorceress is. Sorceress is like the bird lady. So you know the one that you know the one that in the film he's like he's like taking the power from her. That you know Frank Langella's taking the power from. You've watched that? Oh, I I do, I do yeah, remember. That's a sorceress. Who's who's Sarah Michelle Geller? She's playing Teela. Because I read that this series is not actually about He Man. Oh, good. It's focusing on Teela. Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, Lena Headley. Yeah. He's playing Evil Lynn. Phil Lamar's playing Hero. Who the fuck is Hero? <laughs> Hero, if I remember, is supposed to be what He-Man's son was going to become. Okay. So so they were going to reboot the series with He-Man's son, so He-Man was going to become older, and then Hero was going to be the new hero of the show. Yeah, they're releasing new, like, he- they're, like, trying to re-, re- like, they're trying to make he- Master of the Universe a thing again so I think the toys are relaunching next year and I right. think Netflix are meant- might be doing the film maybe I don't know how that He-Man works as a film like it's such a daft concept it's barely a if I, th- I think if you go for like the, the, the campness of it and the bright colours and stuff like that then I think it could work but I think they'll try and make it too self-serious and, yeah. and it just won't work then I think it's got to be a bit bit daft all these 80s things are just but take itself seriously obviously but self seriously but in that kind of have fun with it yeah yeah okay so you got Justin Long is back in it as Roboto Jason Mewes is in it as Stinkor of course he's going to be Stinkor I like Stinkor I like the Stinkor figure is he the one who looks like a skunk he's the one that looks like a skunk here that's got like a mask over him Henry Rollins is Triclops. <laughs> the Black Flag singer. The other day the other day Vulture did a I think it was Vulture did a list of the top ten Henry Rollins film roles. And I was like, what could that possibly look like? <laughs> no offense to Henry Rollins, but I don't really take him as a I'm gonna finish off my list. Stephen Root is Krieger? Kringer? Stephen Root. Is that Milton from Yeah. Uh, Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena. Alicia Silverstone. Gee. The last thing I saw of her was when she was feeding her child like a a bird would, so she would eat the food in her mouth and then spit it in a child's mouth. Oh dear. <laughs> I watched Blast from the Past not long ago. She's really good in that. Ah, oh, that's got a... Um, Invasion. Yeah, yeah. Odd film. Uh, Harley Quinn Smith plays Alina. Tiffany Smith plays Andrea. I don't know who that is. Cree Summer plays Priestess, and Chris Wood plays He-Man. Wait, do you do you want to end it with the nineteen 
best roles of Henry Rollins ranked? Go on then. I want to know what the best roles are. See if I, I can't can, do 19 see if I'm actually... You want me let's, to guess them? Let's do 10. Okay. I know he was in, was he in Lost Highway, the David Lynch film. At number 12 is Heat. Which I don't remember. I don't remember being in it. <laughs> number twelve, number eleven. Sorry, is Bad Boys Two. Okay, number nine. Let's. I haven't heard of number ten. The Devil's Tomb. No, no idea. So number nine is a film with uh, a Batman actor in it. Okay. Which is about. It's kind of a Christmas film. Okay. Does it have a snowman in it? Yes. Is it Jack Frost? It is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number eight is uh, it's a sequel to a horror film about a kind of south, southern, like south states of America, disfigured family kind of killing you. What, the Hills Have Eyes? No. A similar sort of thing, but. Uh... It was Wrong Turn. Did that have a sequel? Yes, it's Wrong Turn. Did it? Okay, there we go. (laughs) Number seven is a film you mentioned that's a Lynch film. Oh, Lost Highway. Yeah. See, you did good. (laughs) I've not seen him in these films, though. No, I I can't remember any of them. Number six is, no one's ever heard of this, it's The Last Heist. Nope, no idea. Number five is Morgan's Ferry. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Number four, great film, 1995. Stars uh, uh, an actor everybody loves and the internet especially loves him. Nick Cage? No. He's okay. known for being incredibly nice and relaxed all the time. He's had Keanu? A... Yeah. Is and it it's... Johnny Mnemonic? It is. <laughs> yes. Number three is uh, a Deftone song. I don't... <laughs> a Deftone song. I don't know this film. A Deftone song. If you were changing. Why in the House of Flies? Yeah, in the House of Flies. Top three. Okay. Henry Rollins films. <laughs> Number two. I've never heard of this. He never died. No, no idea. He plays an immortal character. He makes an immortal cannibal. Hmm. And number one of this, I don't understand why we did this list. Is... <laughs> no, I don't know this film. <laughs> and this is his best performance. This is his best performance. I'm going to have to look it up. Because I can't just say this one out loud. It is directed by Adam Rifkin. It stars Charlie Sheen. Yeah, Kirsty Swanston. It came out in '94. Not, not the chase. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that it. where like, aren't they like? I kind of didn't he kidnap a woman or something, and they kind of get it on. Is that is it one of those? He kidnaps a lady I, and they fall in love. I think so. What was the other Charlie Sheen one where he's like skydiving? Vertical limit? Is that what it's called? Is it that one? Is that what it's called? What's the state of Charlie Sheen now? Is he normal again? We're not going into like... Charlie Sheen. <laughs> 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 I'm going it off there. <laughs> Alright then, should we call it a day then? We'll call it a day with the Henry Rollins game.
I think next time we'll um, go with 1990, I reckon. 1990, okay. Wild at Heart. Oh, I've never seen that one, so that's good. Talking of Nick Cage, why don't we go for Wild at Heart? Well, and um, (laughs) David Lynch. (laughs) Yes, so we'll do the David Lynch film Wild at Heart with Nick Cage and... Laura Dern. Laura Dern, she's in it. Who I just learned is the daughter of Bruce Dern. Is she? <laughs> yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. I can't believe you didn't know either. I'm so happy. No. <laughs> I love Bruce Dern. Great I actor. love Laura Dern. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe. And if the pitch is bad, please adjust your tracking. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>